1: It's April, it's spring, and we are finally starting to get back out into the world, and if your abushi is looking a little too abushy, you might want to get that taken care of before it becomes a fracking problem on your next big date. Use that tax filer money to grab yourself a Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 and take care of your truly offensive line. I can't run with Lindsley, but I am perfectly groomed, and that is a winning record anyone can get behind. Use that code guilty at checkout for twenty percent off. Without further ado, here's the show. <laughs>
2: Hey Chargers fans, welcome into The Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I'm your host coming to you live on Sunday evening. Joining me as always are Alex and Tyler. Alex, I imagine you had a great day watching Tobias Harris, man. The, the career night for him could not have come at a better time for your 76ers. So how are you doing, man?
3: I'm doing good on that front, but to be honest, uh, I, I invested in Bitcoin, and um, <laughs> it's down. It's see, to be fair, it's only down seven percent since I bought it, and it's down like 20 grand since whenever Tom Brady bought it. So
2: I'm doing better <laughs> at least than him. So. Well, no one's doing worse on that front than Sean Colkin, who uh, asked the Chiefs to 100% put his salary into Bitcoin, um, even though he's probably not even going to make the team. So that, that's a rough day for him. Um, Tyler, have you invested in Bitcoin? And uh, how are you doing today, man?
1: Uh, Bitcoin, no. I don't think does we make enough for me to invest fully in Bitcoin or anything. You, I know you can buy like little parts of it or whatever. Dogecoin, yes. Some other ones, sure. Bitcoin, not necessarily – I'm currently not holding anything right now because of the uh, severe decline. Don't catch that falling knife, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Uh, I'm not into that whole thing. So uh, if you made a lot of money off of that, like, congrats to you, and I hope you spend that well. So um, we're going to have a fun show planned for you guys today. We're going to talk about the Julio Jones stuff. Um, I I know we kind of covered it, Alex and I, on our live show, but we do kind of want to give Tyler the chance to give his thoughts there and and give any updates that we have. We're going to talk about – The Chargers' preseason schedule, which has been finalized. And then we're going to outline how the Chargers could win each of their games, each of their 17 games this coming season. Obviously, we all know they're not going to go undefeated. But we're going to, each of us have a a select amount of games that we're going to say, this is how the Chargers would win this particular game. And that's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll start with the Julio Jones topic first and foremost. Um, just to kind of recap where we stand, it was not reported that the Chargers are interested. It was just kind of pegged that the Chargers were a team that could make some sense, um, although there is a certain Patriots beat writer that has supposedly <laughs> heard from Julio Jones's agent that the Los Angeles Chargers are Julio's preferred destination. So uh, he did not have a verified checkmark, so I'm going to – you know, withhold judgment on that one. Yeah. Um. And, you know, there, there have been some kind of common misconceptions about what trading for Julio Jones would, would cost a team like the Chargers and uh, per over the cap, whoever trades for him would absorb $15 million this season and then $11 million each of the next two seasons with an out with a potential out rather after the 2022 season. So Tyler, Alex and I kind of gave our thoughts here. So what's, what are your general thoughts about the Chargers potentially trading for Julio Jones? Um, and what would kind of deter you from making that trade?
1: I was initially against the idea, but it's, it's grown on me for sure. And the more that someone like, you know, Jason OTC has broken things down. And I guess the more I think about it, the more I'm for it because, you know, something like Julio Jones is great because it allows Herbert to, I would think reach his peak sooner and then you can really gauge. I think you can properly gauge where you are as a team. I would expect the postseason. But if you make the, you know, if you don't make the postseason with him, you know, assuming he stays healthy, that is, and, and then you're a few years away, and that's okay. If you do make the postseason this year, then go all in in 2022, perhaps. And I would love, like you referenced, it's a very, it's a very short term issue if it's an issue, you know, for, for really cheap. And you know, yeah. of course, it depends on what they give up, but. If you're asking me, you know, like the Samuel Jr. and Palmer duo of these picks is really solid. But if you told me, you know, pick between potentially getting Adderley and Pipkins or Julio Jones, I'm going to give up those future picks. You know, especially if you grab, you know, Julio, you're probably aiming to pick in the 20s or whatever anyway, and the picks aren't as valuable. So I'm for it. The only deterrent for me is is whatever they have to give up. If it has, If it has to be a first-round pick, I'm probably against it. Yeah. Um I know someone kinda gave you guys some crap for not wanting a first round wide receiver but wanting Julio Jones. But like you said and you explained it perfectly, those are two very different things. So um yeah, I, I'm I'm for the trade, of course at the right price. I want to see what this team can do. And like I said in my tweet, I have to I'm paying a good amount of money to see these games. So if I get to watch <laughs> Julio Jones, hey, that's good for me. And if at worst I have to sell it to someone, I can probably sell it for a little more money. So It works out for me in many ways.
3: Also, I would say the thing about not taking a receiver in the first round, completely ignoring the offensive line thing, is that by the time the Chargers were on the board, the three guys that everyone wanted (laughs) were gone, right? Right. Like, so, you know, do you want to take Rashad Bateman with the 13th pick? Then that's what Mm -hmm. you would have done at 13. So I just thought that part of it was kind of ridiculous. But I said it on the live stream. I'm very pro Julio if they decide to do it. Um, also understanding if they don't want to do it, um, sure. and, and go, yeah. you know, all in at a later point. Um, I do think a lot of people were talking about Devonte Adams and like, no, well, I don't want Julio. I want Devonte Adams. I'm like, there's no guarantee Devonte Adams is going yeah. to want to come here or right. like is even going to be available, right? So I, I push back on that a little bit just because you never know when you're going to have someone who's a generational talent come up. Um, but other than that, like, to me, Pulio is a no-brainer move. I mean, if it costs you, you know, 20222nd 2022 20, 20, third, and, you know, a fifth or sixth round pick, like uh, PFF outlined, or even maybe a fringe first round pick, I'd kind of be willing to part ways with it. Um, but yeah, so that that's my stance, and uh, if they want to go all in, I'm all for it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been kind of having fun with it, obviously, and messing around on Twitter and and just so everyone knows, like, I'm not expecting this to happen. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not heading in my clouds. Like, this is going to happen. I can't wait right. to get the Julio Jones jersey. Like, I-, I know that this is most likely not going to happen. I- but, you know, like I said on the live show, I- I'm of the belief that if you can get your hands on an elite player, you, you go for it and you do it. Like, you know, you can look at I- – I know it's a different kind of sport, but – do you think the Lakers would rather have Brandon Ingram and and all these players and Lonzo Ball, or would they rather have Anthony Davis and a championship from 2020? Like that's an easy choice for me. Like I'm going to get the elite player nine times out of 10. It hasn't worked out for the bears super well. I mean, they did make the playoffs, you know, two of the last three years, but would you rather have Khalil Mack or would you rather have the picks? Like I would rather have Khalil Mack. And so I understand the pushback. I would love For the Chargers to be able to get a player like Khalil Mack because that is a greater position of need for them right now, or a Jamal Adams kind of player. Those players aren't available and Julio Jones is. And so I I think yes, the Chargers have other needs, and yes, you know, forecasting to next year could be a little tricky in terms of, you know, right tackle, maybe safety, maybe corner because of Chris Harris. Like they do have other needs, but I think, you know, we all talked about the Chargers as a ten, maybe eleven win season. Win team, but if they get Julio Jones, then that ceiling becomes a 12 win team, a 13 win team. And so it just kind of depends on what the Chargers want if they want to, you know, really go for it this season or if they want to kind of develop it at a slower pace. Excuse my dog barking in the background. Um, But in my opinion, I would make it happen. Yeah, I, I would also
3: say that, like, Foot, you know, you talk about Khalil Mack and maybe that not working out, but like football is a 52 man game, right? Like that's the difference yeah. with, with basketball where one player completely changes your whole team. Julio Jones doesn't, you know, put the Chargers from, you know, wild card to they're going to the Super Bowl, but he does change it from wild card to they can contend. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The last thing I'll add is the while there is a big difference between picking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, et cetera and, you know, picking first round and then fourth round. The Chargers will have 10 picks, I believe, next season projected. And so they could still walk away drafting eight players next season if they give up two or maybe three picks. They they still could pick seven players next season in the draft. And granted, again, there's a huge talent difference between DeSante Samuel Jr. and Mark Webb. But, you know, you have plenty of time to draft as many Larry Roundtrees as you'd like.
2: Now, the Chargers do have, you know, projected to get, you know, three – I think it might even be four you know, uh, compensatory picks next year. So mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about this from an acquisition cost because I, I think the starting point for Julio Jones, and by starting point I mean like this is how you get to the table, is probably like a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. Mm-hmm. I, I think it will ultimately end up costing more than that. You know, some, They might be able to sucker some team out of a first-round pick. So what would be the most you would give up to get Julio Jones at this point? Like are you okay with – If the Falcons ask for two future second-round picks, are you cool with that, Tyler?
1: Hmm. Yeah. I think I would be.
2: What about you, Alex?
3: Yeah, I'd say I'm willing to give up the first um, next year. He's one of the few players in the NFL I think I can say that about, like, confidently, in terms of the ones that they actually have an opportunity to get. Like, you know, I'm very hesitant about giving up the first round pick, but if you get Julio, you instantly become a contender to be in that 20 to 28 range anyway, if you're picking potentially higher than or lower than that. So, you know, if you're already talking about a team that might be picking, you know, close to the bottom of the first round, then I don't think a first round pick is as valuable versus if you were trading the pick this
2: uh, from this year, it would be a little different. So, you are in favor of them trading a future first round pick, then? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's
3: Leo Jones. <laughs> like, to me, we, we <laughs> talked about this on the podcast last year. Okay. Like, he, he's the most uh, talented receiver in the league, in my opinion. I think you can argue Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins had better seasons and probably project better. Um, but yeah, he is the best one right now.
1: I think I know you're well, right. There answer. we go. We got why a yes for a first for Julio, but not for Pineda Sewell. Wait, but uh, for, first for Panay Sewell? Um, yeah.
3: Oh, well, I mean, the Panay Su- uh, the difference between Rashawn Slater and Panay Sewell, like, I mean, that's, I don't think that's as significant as the difference mm. between Julio mm-hmm. and Rashawn Bateman,
0: if <laughs> you were going to take a receiver in the first <laughs> yeah. round.
3: Yeah. Like, so, you know but I was also comfortable with Christian Darasal or Rashawn Slater being there. Like right. I, I think the difference being there is, is less ultimately.
2: Gotcha. Yeah, that is, a, that is a fair point. And, you know, I think, you know, when it comes to training up for a draft prospect, like that's, you know, there always is that kind of uncertainty. Like I think Panay obviously, you know, we've talked about it, we've covered it. Um, Everyone knows how I feel about him, but I understand not trading up for him. You know, even if, you know, looking back, if we could go back in time and say, you know, Rashawn Slater goes at 11 and the Chargers had not traded up, I think taking Christian Darasal would have been a fine pick for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so trading for Julio Jones, I think, is a different circumstance. I, I don't know if I would be as on board with trading a first round pick as Alex is at this point. I think, you know, if Julio were a couple of years younger percent, um, but in my opinion, I think if you could do this deal for a second and another second, say, you know, uh, 2023 and then in next year's second, maybe mm-hmm. a future fifth. Like, I, I think you can – there are ways to sweeten the pot enough without giving up a first-round pick at this point for Julio Jones. Um, but then again, you know, we don't know how many teams are at this table trying to acquire Julio. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, like, the Titans are willing to do a first-round pick because, you know, they feel like they are – a player or right. two away from really contending.
1: What is, so let's say Mike Williams has a really good year and he goes somewhere else. And of course the Chargers don't have a signing that negates his, you know, or cancels out his comp pick. Like what is the receiver? What do the Chargers get in return for a receiver who gets a decent contract elsewhere? Is it like a fourth? Is that like a, could it go as high as a third? Like I can't imagine anyone's going to pay him.
2: Yeah. Well, it would obviously depend on, you know, what else they do, but I, Like, let's say he signs for, I don't know, at this point, I I would feel like a three-year, you know, like $39 million deal. So $12, $13 million per year would be fair. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if he goes out and has, you know, a 1,200-yard season, eight, nine touchdowns, and then I would obviously increase a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, on paper, you know, in a vacuum, that probably would net, like, a fourth-round compensatory pick. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, there's a conversation that if they trade for Julio Jones – could they trade Mike Williams elsewhere, not to Atlanta, because they don't have any money right now. They can't afford to take on Mike Williams' $15 mm-hmm. million dollar contract. Um, but, yeah, in a vacuum, I think, you know, you, you, you're getting picks either way for Mike Williams, whether it's a compensatory pick or a trade pick. So I think that is another thing to consider here in this uh, exercise in regards to trading for Leo Jones. Yeah,
1: definitely.
3: Yeah, I mean the Mike Williams part of it is definitely one of the reasons that I'm more on board. If you're not going to sign him to a four or five million you know, or four or five year extension, then the time is kind of now to say that, you know, whether whether the yeah. answer is yes or no. Um, excuse whatever is happening in the background. I don't Okay, well. Um,
0: <laughs> uh,
3: but I don't know, like so that's the thing for me. Like the reason that I want Leo Jones is to be effectively just the replacement for Mike Williams to be the wide receiver one, to be a wide receiver two uh, with Keenan Allen. Um, I, I just don't feel like Mike Williams has shown us enough to say that he's yeah. going to be wide receiver two for the next number of years. Um, if we really don't have any other options, I would like to resign him, obviously, especially if he balls out this year. But to me, if it's my choices are who I give up a couple picks and I have Julio for the next three years, or I have Mike for the next four at relatively the same
2: cost, probably going Julio. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that is you know another thing to point out because if Mike Williams does get a twelve million dollar per year contract, Julio's making eleven at the time when Mike Williams is making twelve. So <laughs> yeah, Ooh. you know, it, and it, obviously in a vacuum you're taking Julio Jones, but you know there are definitely some other things to consider here. So sure. um, Tyler, any other thoughts on Julio Jones before we move on to the preseason stuff?
1: Well, much like Jalen Ramsey, Orlando Brown, and every other guy that gets brought up, I can't wait for this to not happen.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I think at this point I'd say maybe like a 15% chance that it does happen. Um, I definitely feels like it's more possible than trading for like Orlando Brown because, you know, Orlando Brown was going to be crazy expensive on on an extension. Right. All right. So let's move on to the preseason stuff, which has officially been finalized. Uh, per the Chargers website, they are going to play the Los Angeles Rams for the Battle of LA for the first week in preseason. Uh, going to be very interesting to watch Justin Herbert throw against whoever backup, whichever backup defense is playing for the Rams because the Rams don't play any of their starters in preseason. Um, and then week two, they will host the San Francisco 49ers on August 22nd for their quote-unquote first game, first home game in SoFi. And then they will travel to Seattle on August 28th for their third and final preseason game uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. And then the old week four of the preseason is now effectively a bye, which is nice. The, the players will get a week off. So, Alex, what do you make of the Chargers preseason schedule uh, and how it shook out with essentially playing the NFC West?
3: Well, yeah, I have, I have a couple questions. I mean, the first thing is that week four effectively is a bye now, but I was just thinking about, like, what is kind of the rigmarole now? Is week three still the dress rehearsal? Is week two the dress rehearsal? Yeah. Like, that's kind of the question for me, um, and that makes it interesting, whether it's going to be on the road or at Seattle or um, against <laughs> Trey Lance in San Francisco. I assume he plays Um, that, that'll be interesting to see, uh, from that standpoint. And that can make a big difference for a lot of guys trying to make the team, obviously coming off of a year where we didn't have a preseason at all. Um, so that was the thing that when I saw the three week schedule for the first time that, uh, popped out to me, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's the preseason and I can't say that I'm like excited about the (laughs) preseason, but I am curious to see how it's structured, how they go from training camp into the preseason and, and kind of keep that momentum, and also just when they decide to play their starters, and also is there kind of a league consensus on that?
1: Yeah, that, that's a great question. That's the first thing that's I wrote on my notes was like, what is like, what is their dress rehearsal game? When is when are the starters going to play? Are they going to play at all? Are they going to sit? You know, the, the, they have a lot of veterans on this offensive line yeah. who don't really need to play, but then they also have Rashawn Slater. And you know, Corey Lindsay needs to be like, hey, let's let's get this together. I don't know how long that takes. I really don't know. This is I don't remember the last time the Chargers had like a brand new offensive line. Yeah. To get it done in training camp. I don't know. But I'm excited for this. Like I even wrote down, I can't wait to watch which running back, you know, balls out in the preseason. Yeah. There's always someone for the Chargers who balls out. So Eckler made the team. Dietrez Newsom. was he the guy doing the backflip? I don't remember.
2: That was him. But,
1: yeah. Yeah. No, it's always fun to just watch these guys I'm like, Yeah, we're so excited. Um, Someone to try to call out my tweet about me, <laughs> which is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. You know, me being confused by the cut Detroit's news or Justin Jackson. Whatever. That's a whole other story. I'm very excited yeah. for this. If I get to see, you know, Rashawn Slater go up against Nick Bosa in the preseason, awesome. If I don't, that's fine. I will be there at that game. And I can't wait to see everyone. The experience of seeing the stadium was awesome. But then I had to turn and look at everybody, and we're all wearing masks. And it, it's just very hard. You know, it's very hard to You don't tell. know who anyone is at this point. Yeah, you don't know who anybody is, and it's hard to get to know people. You know, everyone smiles, and their expressions, and their excitement, you know, is such a, a big part of the experience. So I can't wait to see everyone, hopefully, with masks off. And masks on are great. You want to keep your mask on, it's totally fine. That's what they, if I have to go to a game with a mask on, fine by me. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for it. And I just want Derwin James and Joey Bosa to not play a single preseason snap I completely yeah, believe I, that they'll be completely fine mentally and physically. Please don't play any snaps. Please make it to week one for the first time in four years.
2: Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing for me is just get this team healthy. But uh, to your point about the fans, man, like it, it's been so nice this weekend because this weekend has really been like the first time that everybody gets fans in the stands. And so, like, you know, I, I was just at dinner and they had the Knicks and Hawks game at, on TV. And it was, you, you know, you could feel, like, the electric presence just from the fans being there. And same with the 76ers earlier and the Suns and stuff like that. Um, and, and obviously, you know, the golf tournament with Phil Mickelson was, was even intense. And so it's just been nice to see things getting back to normal. Um, I have a question. You might know this. You might not know this. But do you get tickets for the Rams game, too, because you're a season ticket holder? Or would you have to buy single-game tickets as, as well?
1: I would have to buy single-game tickets. I, I just get the extra Vi- extra Vikings game, but I don't get anything for the okay. Rams game. Okay. Um,
2: I guess the thing I'm most looking forward to in, in terms of the preseason game is are the Chargers going to do any joint practices this year? Because that was, that was kind of a thing under Anthony Lynn. I don't really remember it being that much of a thing under Mike McCoy. Um, but Lynn always did it with either the Rams because obviously they're in town or with the Saints whenever they had a preseason matchup with the Saints. So I think it would be, like, very beneficial for this team to, you know, if they go up to Seattle a few days early, get some joint practices in against the Seahawks. I don't know. I think there is – to me, there's more benefit in a joint practice than there is in a preseason game where no starters play. So I think that's that's the thing I'm most curious about in terms of the preseason is, is will they do any joint practices and, and who is it going to be with? If it is against the Rams, I think that we need to bring the fight back. I think Keenan
3: Allen needs to just fight whoever the Rams like third string corner is, and then we just (laughs) need to get it going. Like that's that's what I'm looking forward to this preseason. Let's get a fight going in a
2: scrimmage. I just wanna know, like, how can anyone go at Dontrell Inman like that? Like Dontrell Inman just seems like the nicest dude.
0: (laughs) He seems like the nicest dude.
2: I know. Who was Which Rams corner was it? Is he still on the roster? No, I, I think it was Roby Coleman.
1: Uh, I oh, think it was think him. So. Right?
3: Yeah, I and mean, he's in – I don't know where he is. Is he in Philly? I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea what his contract was.
1: All I know is if you're going to fight someone, <laughs> do it quick and get out because Aaron Donald's on the way. Yes, that is very true.
2: Um, all right, guys, any other thoughts on the preseason before we move on to our final topic of the day?
1: Uh, I hope we can show up as fans and watch training camp.
2: Yes. Yes. I hope that is. I'm pretty sure that will be a thing. I don't know. Like, I mean, even the California teams have had fans in the stands recently. Um, All the baseball games have been increasing capacity. Mm -hmm. I think even Disneyland is opening up at full capacity pretty soon. So I, I think that'll be a thing, but we'll have to see. Alex, any other thoughts?
3: No, like you said, it was great to see the fans in the stands this week and just the, the first Sixers game in a, a while where you just hear, ref, you suck, ref, you suck, <laughs> just fucking screaming, and and I want to hear that for the Chargers and everything else. So uh, it was great to have that back, and I hope the Chargers games are like that this year, hopefully with our fans and not opposing fans. Yes, absolutely.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster.
1: Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast.
2: All right, so we're going to go through the Chargers schedule week by week. Um, as I said, each of us have kind of selected a certain amount of games that you know, we'll make the argument for how the Chargers will win that game. Uh, essentially, this is, this is us previewing these matchups in May. I think it's a, it's a fun exercise. We'll revisit this conversation throughout the season and see where things have changed. Obviously injuries and stuff like that will change things. Um, but Alex is going to kick us off. He has the season opener in week one. So Alex, how do the chargers win their season opener at Washington? I think something that helps them in this matchup is actually
3: unfamiliarity. And the fact that like the chargers kind of won't know what's coming for them in this game to some extent, um, you know, that's sort of how they uh, actually they beat the Colts a couple of years ago. Uh, obviously, the Bengals game, it didn't feel like I we knew kind of what to expect going into that game, yeah. um, but they still won that one, so they've been weirdly good in season openers and then have collapsed in all the rest of the games the last two years. <laughs> um, but I do think that this matchup, just in particular, is actually good for them because they're not playing like, maybe a quarterback that's like super hard for them. Like Fitzpatrick can deal, um, but I, I sort of compare it a little bit to the Brissette Colts matchup a couple of years ago where it's mm. like you're playing a really solid opening week defense. Um, but you have an offense that you can control as long as you have Bosa and Derwin, fingers crossed, uh like Tyler said. So I, I think that that's kind of how you win. And obviously the the main key for me in this one is can Brandon Staley Out-coach Ron Rivera, Um, that remains to be seen. But I think that he can. I mean, with the weapons that they have, you have Justin Herbert coming into, maybe with Leo Jones into uh, that Washington (laughs) field. That would be fun. But they have enough weapons anyway. Um, They have a much improved offensive line. I would not be confident with Sam Tevy and all of those guys from last year taking on – Chase Young and, you know, uh, you know all the guys in Washington, and Jack Del Rio is their defense coordinator. But, um, yeah, so I think the way that they win this game is really just airing it out. Maybe you get into a little bit of a shootout with Washington. I feel more confident in those kind of games where the Chargers uh, shoot out with teams rather than when they get really stifled by a good defense. I think if Herbert and Fitzpatrick are going back and forth, that's a matchup that kind of, Leans in the way of the Chargers, um, you know, the, the one area of, of concern for me is definitely the fact that this is going to be the first time the offensive line really plays together. Um, that's the concerning thing for me. But I think they ultimately have enough to get it done at the end of the day with their offensive firepower and, you know, sort of the improved secondary and defense
2: just based on, you know, guys coming back from injury. Yeah, I think that is a good point with the f- unfamiliarity because, you know, Washington is a great defensive team, but, you know, they don't, they're do not they not going to have any kind of film or at least reputable film on the Chargers offense. So that could make things uh, more difficult there. All right, so week two against Dallas, the Chargers home opener is the game that I'm going to select first here. Um, just really quickly, do both of you know who led the league in passing yards last year or passing yards per game rather? Um, Dak Prescott. Okay, uh, he didn't qualify. Yes, but he, he did. You know, he didn't throw enough passes to actually lead it. It was Patrick Mahomes with 316 yards per game. Dak Prescott, if he had qualified, he would have been first, and he threw a whopping 371 yards passing per game. Jeez. The yards Ooh. and the pace that Dak was on last year before he got hurt was so insane. And they had to do that. They had to air it out because their defense was atrocious. They were 28th in scoring points per game. They were 22nd in yards per game allowed. And, and so every single game was a shootout. Ezekiel Elliott was clearly not himself either. And so the the rare games that Dallas was in and, and winning when, when Dak was healthy, it was because of Dak. And so to me... The way that you go about beating the Dallas Cowboys, you have two options. You be hyper-aggressive, and you also air it out. You let Justin Herbert just cook, throw it 40, 50 times a game. And you go after this Dallas secondary, which is so, so bad, very young as well. And they're also changing schemes on defense. So that's the first option. The second option is you pound it down Dallas's throats in, in the run game. You keep Dak off the field. You manage the clock, play an efficient kind of game. That's the Anthony Lynn approach. That's what Anthony Lynn wanted to do on every single game. You know, manage the clock, run the ball, dominate time of possession, keep it close until the end, and then hopefully your rushing attack had has worn down the defense enough. So to me – I know which option I'm choosing. I'm letting Justin Herbert air it out and throw it a bunch to throw it all over the field. Um, But that's how that's how the Chargers can beat the Cowboys. Keep Dak off the field, or light up the scoreboard and make Dak be be this top tier, excellent quarterback on a drive on every single drive in the game.
1: One of the things I noticed when watching that while I was watching the Rams play the Cowboys, and what I noticed. Uh, in that game and then sprinkled throughout the Seahawks matchup I watched a couple of months ago when we were talking about Staley is that the communication in the secondary is outstanding. I think they rotate or pass off or rally to the football, except for that one play, um, you know, really, really well. And, you know, there were moments where Dak Prescott would he'd, he'd recognize his main target and, you know, and because the, the offense exposed supposedly that target and right as he's about to throw John Johnson makes, you know, comes over perfectly and the corner breaks off perfectly, and he goes, oh shit, and he has to figure out what he's doing next, but by the time he figures out, oh shit, Brandon Staley has Aaron Donald one-on-one against a guard, and then he gets sacked, so you know, I think if anyone can stop him, it is Brandon Staley, and yeah, you said shoot it out, sure, but I have some faith in this defense, because they did hold Dak to 266 yards, and then he went for his streak of 450, 470, <laughs> it's so crazy, man. Absolutely absurd.
2: All right, so week three, Tyler, is yours. So uh, take it off. Yeah.
1: Man. No, that, I have the playing the Chiefs. I got this fucking game. Um, I really <laughs> hope that the Chargers can beat them. And here's how they do. I, I do think that part of what I just said applies here as well. Patrick Mahomes doesn't turn it over a lot. But I do think, you know, the Chargers can – I don't know if bait him is the right word, but I think they can get him to make some more mistakes. I also don't really believe in that chief's defense. They're great at forcing turnovers or forcing you to throw more because they're so ahead. But not only do I think Herbert can keep up, he had, if not the lowest, one of the lowest interceptable ball rates in the NFL last season as a rookie. You know, part of the reason I was so excited about Tyrod Taylor is he wasn't going to turn this ball over and the Chargers could legitimately beat the chiefs with 23 points. Um, Obviously, they switched to Herbert, and that was just a weird, wacky game. But, you know, he played really well in that final game. I know it's against the backups, but against the Chiefs. And he doesn't turn the ball over. Herbert does not turn over the ball ever much. And plus, I do think at this point the Chargers will be, um, compared to the last time they met the actual starters mm-hmm. for the Chiefs, the Chargers will be four deep at wide receiver. Whereas last time it was like Guyton's second catch of his entire career. I don't think Tyron Johnson was even active. And now they have Josh Palmer. I mean, you could argue they went one through six. They have a pretty, you know, solid group there. So, you know, I think Staley can do enough to force a couple of turnovers. You know, Herbert does not turn over the ball over himself, and they do have more offensive firepower than they did before. And Trey Turner will not be blocking Chris Jones in this game. So hopefully it'll be better than last time.
2: All right, Alex, you, you have the next one, so go for it.
3: Yeah, week four against the Raiders, obviously, um, Monday night game uh, coming right off of their Thursday night matchup last year. Um, I, I think this one is going to be fun, uh, but I think the way that you just beat the Raiders is, you know, you just their defense is really bad, so you throw <laughs> it on them. Um, I mean, out of all the teams that we really talked about to this point, like the Raiders to me clearly have the worst defense, and I think they will be a little bit stabilized. Somewhat by Casey Hayward, somewhat by Gus Bradley, but, like, to me, they just don't have the talent to run defense they want to run, Um, at least at this point, until you get more development from guys like Trayvon Mullen um, and uh, Damon Arnett, who obviously was their first round pick a couple years ago, um, or really one year ago. But, um yeah, so I, I think that the Chargers just win this game by slinging it deep, doing what they did last year, and, you know, hopefully not, uh, you know, getting just mauled by Marcus Mariota. um You know, so that game was a little out of whack as well. yeah But I think that they can slow down Derek Carr enough as long as all their kind of pass rushing unit is healthy to this point. And I think that they just win the game by slinging it downfield. Uh, I I don't know if you need to overcomplicate this one. I think you could think about that for the Chiefs and the Cowboys who have those kind of dynamite offensive options. I don't really think the Raiders have that um, to to some extent. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, obviously the Raiders do have like Josh Jacobs and you know maybe Henry Ruggs gets you in a deep ball, but I, I just don't think they have, you know, what the Cowboys or the Chiefs are giving you those previous weeks with Amari yeah. Cooper and CeeDee Lamb or Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, right? I, I just don't think they have quite have that factor to their offense. So I think as long as you can get some good pressure under a car, doesn't do too well under pressure, and, you know, you just sling it deep,
2: that's really the key to beating the Raiders. Well, it's going to be interesting, too, how to see how the Changing of the offensive line affects Josh Jacobs and right. um, I forget his name um, Drake Drake Ken- yeah Kenyon Drake there we go um, because their rushing attack before was was really really solid. Obviously having the best offense, one of the best offensive lions in the league helps that uh, for sure. Oh wow, I forgot the Raiders signed Drake. I forgot that was the thing this offseason. They signed him to like a big ish deal too. Like it wasn't like they signed him for the minimum. It was it was a big ish deal. So it was it was so confusing. Stupid Um, money. (laughs) All right. So week five against the Browns, that's the next one for me. Um a very tough game on paper. we've kind of talked about the Browns and you know I, I believe their roster is good enough to contend for the AFC and I think they could be a legitimate you know challenger to the Chief's throne this year, which is just crazy to believe but uh, to me in terms of the defense the Chargers defense in any defense that's facing the Browns, it's pretty simple to me. you make Baker Mayfield beat you with his arm. The Browns were third in the league in rushing yards per game. They have one of the best running back duos in the league in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And they were only 26th in the league in passing yards per game. So they want to run the ball. They want to do a lot of play action. They want to be able to really minimize the risk around Baker Mayfield. And so to me, you got to stop the run in this game and make Baker Mayfield, you know, beat you with his arm. The other thing, which is kind of wild that I didn't realize this, they were um, fourth best in the league in positive turnover differential. So they they caused a lot of turnovers, and they did not turn the ball over very much at all. So, you know, this is definitely one of those games where it feels like, at least on paper looking at it right now, whoever wins the turnover battle is probably going to win this game. So it's pretty simple to me against the Browns. Make Baker Mayfield beat you with his arm, stop the rushing attack of the Browns, and then win the turnover battle. I think that's how you beat the Browns uh, this season.
1: Yeah, that's a good call. It's it's been a while since Baker Mayfield's rookie year when they played the Chargers, but the reason they won that game is because everyone was feasting. Everyone had a sack, a yeah. couple of pressures. I mean, I think the two leading sack guys were like Damien Square mm-hmm. and another like mm-hmm. interior off- defensive lineman who's not even on the team anymore. So yeah, make him uncomfortable. And granted that. Make every quarterback uncomfortable, you can probably okay. win. But Baker Mayfield in particular, absolutely. Uh, I will go to the other AFC North opponents. Uh, there's more. Uh, the Ravens, another tough one. This is a very tough stretch. I can't wait to get through the, the easier part of the schedule. Yeah. Um, by now, I would hope that the Chargers offensive line has gelled. And I, I do think they'll gel pretty early. But by now they have to because the Ravens blitzed more than anyone in the league last year. I think it was like 45%. So I do think that they will gel enough and communicate well enough where the blitzes won't be as big of a problem because, I mean, to me, Lindsley and then Slater too, but Lindsley for sure. I think he's a genius at his position. I don't necessarily mean the most talented. I think as terms of, you know, cerebrally, I think he's just such a smart player and the other three guys, if healthy, hopefully by this point, we still have a healthy line. You know, these guys are vets and they shouldn't be confused. But most importantly, the Chargers are undefeated when I take out my girlfriend for her birthday, and I don't want to win. Whether it be shutting out Denver, or the big Falcons win with the pyramid interception, or last year in Jacksonville, Chargers are 5-0, and man. I will likely be taking my girlfriend out that weekend on Sunday, so enjoy the win.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That Ravens game is, is weird to me just because, like, I think that they... That's a winnable game, but, like, they they just don't defend the run well. And this Lamar Jackson is just a completely different Lamar Jackson than the guy they faced at the end of 2018 or the end of the uh, playoffs in that wild card game. So I'm curious to see definitely how that game goes. Uh, I have Week 8 against the Patriots, the matchup that Steven and Tyler – pick the Chargers to lose. I pick the Chargers to win that one because you know we have to get them one of these days. <laughs> yeah, um, That's true. But I do think, um, I mean, this Patriots team to me is a little bit easier than the Patriots teams the Chargers have played in the past. Obviously, there is the game last year that sticks out like a sore thumb when you look at final box scores. Obviously, that forty-five to zero. But To me, that game was kind of fluky. I mean, the Chargers were just at such a point uh, with their team in general where it was clear they were kind of on decline, um, and the special teams just fell apart completely that week. So to me, I I don't necessarily draw any, you know, long-term conclusions about the Patriots are a better team than the Chargers, you know, just from that game. Um, just because so everything that could go wrong did go wrong uh, for the Chargers in that game, and that's the game that I ultimately believe got Anthony Lynn fired. Yep. Um, but uh, you know the the quarterback situation to me is interesting. Obviously, you have people like Julio, or reportedly saying that they want to play with Cam Newton, um, <laughs> which which is weird to me. I, I know a lot of guys around the league respect Cam. Um, but respectfully he was throwing balls in the dirt last year. Um, and, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for that guy, but I, I think he's kind of done at this point following those two shoulder surgeries and, and, and just the pain and kind of suffering that's come from those uh, in his career. Obviously it'll, this game will depend on if Mac Jones is in there. I think he will be uh, probably earlier than a lot of people think. I think he could realistically start by week one, Um, Just because of, you know, the fact that the Patriots spent this pick on him and I think they think he's ready to play. Um, One of the things that I think you could say more positively about Mac Jones than say Zach Wilson or, you know, some of the other quarterbacks in this draft is that he was the most ready to play um, out of college among some of these guys. So. Uh, To me, it's just all about getting pressure on him. Uh, Mac Jones is not going to run out of the pocket or do anything. Uh, You you don't have to worry about, you know, some of the stuff that the other Alabama quarterbacks have done, uh, like like Tua, like Jalen Hurts. Um, So I think you just get pressure on him. Uh, The Patriots have kind of retooled their offensive line a little bit. Obviously, it's, you know, they brought uh, Trent Brown back, and it's sort of a, a different look. Uh, I I do think the Patriots are ultimately a well-coached team, which is why this game will be hard to win. But I think if you do just coach special teams normally and you don't, like, implode and, you know, just, like, shit your pants on every snap, then I think it'll be okay. To me, again, the loss last year was just less of a, you know, uh, they did something wrong here more than just a total breakdown on every play. And I just... But where this game is in the schedule, I just don't think the Chargers can be at that point yet, unless somehow they're 0-6 by this game, which would be a disaster. But I don't think that will happen. Um, But, yeah, I think you just win this game by playing smart football and by doing kind of the bare minimum on special teams and just, uh, you know, being serviceable in that department. Because I think if you do that, I don't think the Patriots are too hard to beat. Um, in terms of the actual roster they have. Because, I mean, a lot of the previous games against Patriots have been the Chargers beating themselves. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that is, that is a really good point. And, you know, we were all kind of messaging each other about the two graphics that Arjun shared on Twitter about the Chargers special teams and just how historically bad they've been. I and mean, it's so funny, like, looking at that graphic and, like, the best that it's been recently was in 2018 when they were, like, 25th in DVOA. <laughs> Or it might have even been lower than that. And that's the year that they won 12 games and made it to the playoffs and won a playoff game. So um, just get to the 20s and, like, the Chargers will be in good shape. Um, All right, week nine for me at the Philadelphia Eagles, which is going to be super fun for Alex to watch. Um, It's going to be very interesting to see what Nick Sirianni cooks up for Jalen Hurts and specifically how he tailors this offense to be – more effective through the air because Jalen Hurts only passed for 93 yards per game last year. Like it was not very good through the air. Um, he was really effective on the ground and Miles Sanders, you know, was able to, to benefit somewhat from, you know, his presence as well. Um, but, you know, until we know more about that, it's going to be tough for me to see. I, I, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be a fine player. Um, but I think ultimately the Eagles are probably selecting a quarterback next year. I, I just, I, I don't know how much I see Jalen Hurts becoming a truly effective passer. Um, I'm, I'm just concerned. Obviously I think Devonte Smith will help his development somewhat. Um, but that, that's just the case for me on defense. I'm not super worried about Jalen Hurts on offense on the opposite side of things. The one thing that I will say about the Eagles is that their defensive line group is, stacked and Mm -hmm. they can go one through eight and probably be the best defensive line unit in the league. And it's led by uh, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, who are two really, really effective players, even at this age, at this stage of their careers. Um, Brandon Graham had eight sacks last year. Fletcher Cox had seven. So two players that are very capable of dominating games and taking over games and really just making sure that your offense is not going to get going. So for me, when it comes to playing at the Eagles, make Jalen Hurts be with his arm, and then make sure that Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox and this defensive line for the Eagles are not living in the backfield.
3: What is it with you trying to put, like, poopy butt Ke- Keaton Slovis on my team? I don't want that shit. I want Jalen Hurts to ball out, and I want him to be uh, the quarterback. Is I think it's a fair point to criticize Hurts based on his performances last year, but... At the same time, mm-hmm. they did willingly take him out of a game to tank for Devonta Smith. Um, <laughs> and so, no, and just screwed the Giants. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, so much of what they drew up for last year was specifically for Carson so right, Wentz. Yeah. And then Hurts got thrown in. So, I am very curious to see what Sirianni cooks up, as you said, just to see – Like, can Jalen Hurts take advantage of what he has? Because, I mean, he did make impressive throws last year when he was asked to. And, you know, the the other stuff was just like, hey, Greg Ward's my best receiver. I have to (laughs) hit him. Um, But, you know, so um, I think he can be good, but I I definitely get the uh, skepticism. But, yeah, I I think as long as you get a good amount of pressure. But I also don't think that that Eagles O-line is a pushover um, compared to, you know, what – some of the other lines the Chargers are, are playing this season,
2: at least. So, uh, I, I would chalk it up as a win for the Chargers, though. Like like you said, yeah. I mean, if Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks come back and they're fully healthy and they play all 16 or 17 games, then the Eagles have a top six to eight, maybe six to ten unit on the offensive line as well. So, um, this is going to be a really good benchmark for the Chargers from you know their line of scrimmage standpoint. Because Brandon Sadie said that he, mm-hmm. they want to be a line of scrimmage team, and the Eagles have a team that can really dominate on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So this is going to be a really interesting benchmark, obviously the eighth game of the season. So we'll, we'll know by this point, obviously if, if people are healthy or not, but we'll know by this point if Brandon Staley has done enough to make sure that this team is a line of scrimmage team or not.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely a little worried about this game as a trap game, but we'll get into that next episode. Uh, Alex, if they do end up with Keaton Slovis, can I get you a jersey that says "Poopy Black Keaton Slovis"? <laughs> I'll pay for You're, the custom one for you. You can buy
3: me a Tim Tebow jersey if you want, because I'll be so miserable uh, if Jalen Hurts doesn't
1: work out, and I'll be
3: inconsolable.
1: <laughs> it's okay, man. Not... Honestly,
3: you know, people talk about like them drafting a quarterback next year, but I think the likelier move, if they do move on from Hurts at some point, is probably that they make a trade, uh, I mean, given all the draft capital they have for uh, maybe a Watson or a Wilson or something like that, I think they would do that before right. going through the quarterback class, honestly.
1: No? All right. Um, I have Week 10 against the Vikings, a game that I basically get for free that I would love to attend, and I probably will with my brother-in-law and my uncle who are both Vikings fans. I'm not really sure why. Uh, in this particular game, I it's kind of simple, I suppose, Get, stop Dalvin Cook. Be situationally sound because the Vikings regularly aren't, and be as aggressive as possible. I would love for this game to be the you know let's trust our analytics and just go be super aggressive game. Granted, I hope they do that the entire season, but I'd love to see them do that this game and put the pressure on Cousins. I'm also banking on Sante Samuel Jr. breakout game. Maybe he's broken up before this. I think he could, but this would be a really nice time to show up because this is a really solid one too. Um, so... I think they have a shot. I really don't think there's a whole lot here other than just play smart ball, don't turn the ball over, force Cousins to – actually force Cousins to beat you. And that's kind of it. There's not a whole lot here for me to, to add. Just play play football, play good football, and you'll win. I will
3: say it's funny to say that it's it's very simple that, that you just hold Dalvin Cook when this team gave up like a 90 kick. yards and a touchdown to Frank Gore last year. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah,
2: Dalvin Cook, super simple. We got it. Keep it oh, simple. It won't be keep simple. simple. Yeah, Dalvin Cook is couch so is good, man. Dalvin Cook is so so good. Um, all right, Alex, you're up next week. Or wait, yeah, you're up a uh, week eleven. A
3: week eleven, yeah. So we're playing the Steelers on Sunday Night Football. Um, this is kind of the point in the season where I don't know what the team is at this point, and I don't yeah. know what players are on the field, so it gets a little bit harder to predict. But in general, with the Steelers. Uh, I think the game is just all about getting pressure on Ben Roethlisberger at this point um, because I think he is kind of at the point where he's throwing hospital balls to people um, all over the field, and I just don't think he's good anymore. I think this is really going to be his uh, Eli Manning kind of last year, but I, I would yeah. say Philip Rivers, but maybe his Philip Rivers 2019 year. Like, that's kind of what this year has on the wall for him, in my opinion. Um but, you know, the Steelers have obviously kind of owned the Chargers in the past a little bit. Um, to, to me, the, the thing to watch in this game, unfortunately, is the fans in the stands thing. Yeah. And, uh, it, the Steelers, to me, are the team that can you know travel probably the best out of a lot of the teams Chargers play. So if you have a home field advantage against them, it, it would be a big deal. But if you don't, I could also swing the game in the Steelers' favor. Um Yeah, this is just a a weaker Steelers team than they played in 2018, so I'm not, honestly, too concerned with this game. Um, Obviously, just playing Pittsburgh in general, they are a very well-coached team. I still do think they will go 500 or over this season because they're the Steelers and because, uh, you know, that's a Mike Tomlin coached team. But they lost a lot on the offensive line, like we've said, uh, on a couple podcasts. And, you know, when you're losing Alejandro Villanueva and he was bad – now you're relying on the guy behind him or some combination of Kendrick Green and other pieces, um, which is really the situation they're yeah. in. Um, obviously, they lost Piler to the Chargers. So to me, it's just all in the trenches against the Steelers, um, getting pressure on Big Ben, stopping the run, um, which, we, as we said, is very simple for this team. Um, so I think they can do that against the Steelers' offensive line. Uh, honestly, the Steelers' defensive line is what scares me when you got guys like TJ Watt coming. Um, that's going to probably be you know, one of the toughest games for Rashawn Slater, maybe the toughest game for Rashawn Slater at left tackle uh, with TJ Watt. So, to me, that's kind of the, the thing to watch in this game is just how do they deal with that Steelers' defensive front? I think as long as you can survive that
2: and you don't have too much pressure on Herbert, this is a pretty winnable game. Yeah, I I absolutely think it's a a much more winnable game than, you know, looking back at 2018 because that defense that year for the Steelers was, was crazy good. And this year, I think it's going to be a little worse. I'm not going to say that they're going to be bad, but I saw this crazy statistic from Warren Sharp that it was like, um, you know, the Steelers haven't had a losing record since like 2001 or something like that, which is just like crazy <laughs> in, in and of itself. But um, week 12 at the Denver Broncos, very interesting one. And right now kind of impossible to predict because we have no idea who's going to be under center for the Broncos. I think, you know, we can look at kind of both sides of the coin. I do think that the Broncos taking Javante Williams in the second round kind of signifies that they want to be what the Chargers were thinking last year with Tyrod Taylor. you know, have a great defense, run the football, manage the clock and, and just don't lose the game on offense. And so I, that kind of makes me think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starting quarterback week one. However, there have been some reports from people like Benjamin Albright that, Drew Locke has looked really, really good in OTA so far. And, you know, it's never been a talent thing with Drew Locke, right? But he did lead the league in interceptions last year. So that's kind of the biggest issue and kind of why I think they'll go with Teddy. Um, You know, they were both kind of bottom one-third of the league in terms of yards per game, touchdowns per game. The difference is that Drew Locke threw 15 interceptions and Teddy threw 10. So – that I don't know. It, it's an interesting conversation between those two, but I, I just have no idea how that's going to pan out. So, beating the Broncos, to me, it's going to come again down to stopping the run, making sure Melvin Gordon does not have his, you know, stereotypical 40 yards and 4 touchdown kind of game, or whatever the case may be with him and Javante Williams. Um And then, obviously, keeping a lid on Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy who have given them some problems as well. So, Right now, a very tough game to peg. Going to depend who is under center. Um, but I think the formula is there right now, stopping the run and making sure that you're protecting Justin Herbert against Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb and Shelby Harris, which, you know, Shelby Harris is very underrated. I think Harris is one of the better defensive tackles in the league. Quick note on the
3: Broncos. Um, I, I hated them drafting Patrick Sertan when it happened. But I hate it even more now because I have to see these stupid Pat, uh, Packers trade offers where they trade like the entire franchise for Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, and Patrick Sertan is always in there. It, it infuriates me what they've done to him. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's uh wow, you're really holding on to this thing, man. <laughs> hey,
3: look, he's the best quarterback in the draft.
1: Yeah, all right, he probably might end up being there. Um. Yeah, I think for this Denver game in particular, I think the Chargers, unlike last season, will have two closers, and one of those things being an offensive line. You can close out your games with a good offensive line. Maybe it's just scoring points. Maybe it's just getting close enough for that field goal. Maybe it's just running the ball. But they do have an offensive line who can close. They also have a defensive coordinator slash head coach who can close, unlike Bradley. And granted, some of the problems last year in Denver weren't Gus Bradley's fault. It was legitimately Nassir Adderley blowing the game in some situations. But you won't have a guy who, when Joey Bosa goes out, will put Linval Joseph at a wide nine and try to rush Drew Locke from the outside. So I'm, I'm hoping okay. that, you know, it was awful. I hated watching all of that. That whole. Did you do a breakdown on that? Or did we just re it together or something? I don't know. But you had to watch, like, the fourth quarter, and it was just, like, a depression. <laughs> you know, they, just the,
2: the Chargers defensive line going through there was was so annoying because – you you watch this team without Joey Bosa, just be like, all right, let's try this, <laughs> let's try this, maybe yeah. this will work. And it was like watching Linval Joseph go out on defense, <laughs> and I was like, what? I was like, what are we doing? Yeah, like come on now, Gus Bradley.
3: Yeah, that was the game that really almost ended the podcast last year.
2: Um...
1: <laughs> and we
3: had to record that one twice. <laughs> yeah. We did- Oh
1: no. Yeah, that
3: was when I forgot to record on Zoom. Um... Oh man. <laughs> The other thing with that game that's really interesting to me is just the Staley-Fangio matchup. Just, like, that's a very teacher versus the student mm. yeah. kind of game. And, and yeah. you know, just Fangio trying to kind of guess what Staley is going to do and Staley guessing in response. Like, I think that's a dynamic that uh, will be really interesting to watch that could provide an advantage to the Chargers. But also, you know, if Fangio calls his bluff a lot of the time, that can produce some problems.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, my game is against the Bengals. I mean what the fuck do I got to say like <laughs> the, I mean it's the Bengals you know two teams definitely got their franchise quarterback of the future last season one team went out and signed the best center in football the most pass pro ready offensive tackle in the draft and signed two legitimate guards the other one uh did not do any of that granted they did get Riley Reef and Jackson Car- Jackson Carmen um yeah. Like that's not really going to do a lot. So the Bengals don't have any legitimate pass protection for their superstar quarterback. And I just don't think like the Chargers beat them last season and they're kind the Bengals are kind of the same team. Like they I guess, you know, they have, you know, Tyler Shelvin instead of Geno Atkins, who was out that game anyway, but like they didn't get a whole lot better. If anything, they just kinda went parallel. Granted, Jamar Chase is certainly an upgrade, but like I don't know, they didn't really get, like, so much better. I think the Chargers are a better team, and they're just going to win this game because, you know, they have an offensive line, and they have a defensive line, and the Bengals really don't.
3: Yeah, uh, the the Bengals game is going to be a total relitigation of Burrow versus Herbert and also the Jamar Chase-Penesoul debate, so I'm excited to see that take place. Um, But uh, the next game is against the New York Football Giants. Um, who are still betting on Daniel Jones, I guess. Um, and that's what this game comes down to for me. If Daniel Jones can show improvement this year, this could be a really difficult game. Uh, I do think the Giants have some pieces uh, on offense, especially on defense now, that they've added. Aziz Odilari, Um they have a great uh, defensive line, or at least the beginnings of a great defensive line, in my opinion. So, and obviously you have James Bradbury back there, uh, secondary with now Logan Ryan, Dory Jackson. Um, it's a tough defense. And then they also add Kenny Galladay, um, as well as some of the other guys they already have before, like Darius Slayton. So, uh, to me, you know, this team goes as far as Daniel Jones goes. And I think, you know, if you have a Jones-Herbert matchup, it's just going to come down to that uh, in and of itself. Uh, I will also say that the Chargers do need to block really well in this game, and and like we've said a bunch of times, uh, it depends on who's healthy on the offensive line this week. Like, can they all, five of them, actually stay upright? Because, you know, if you have something like Balaga goes down and maybe one other is hurt, I think this is kind of, we talked about this maybe as a trap game where this really hurts you because they have, you know, guys that can come at you um on their defensive line, so like Leonard Williams, like Aziz Ojolari, Dexter Lawrence applying some pressure, like that's that's some really challenging stuff. I think if their offensive line isn't in great shape by this point in the season, but still to be determined on that. Um, so yeah, I, I really think the game just comes down to <laughs> the turnover machine, uh, as Stephen calls him, uh, Daniel Jones, and if he does make an improvement. Uh, this is kind of going to be the game where I think the Chargers can have some problems. Also, important to point out that the Giants now have char- former Chargers killer Devontae Booker, Uh, and
2: I can oh, just no. see that going poorly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if Devontae Booker is starting at that point, then... Uh, they might even be better off to start him over Saquon against the Chargers. Who you knows? <laughs> um, obviously, you know, as a casual fan, I hope that Saquon is is still healthy on at on, on the field at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy just has had some terrible luck. Um, but I, I do think that this game could be one of the game. Like we've talked about a bunch of shootout games, but I think this game could be one of those like seventeen to thirteen kind of games because I think at this point. The Chargers' defense would be in a rhythm. They would be able to really understand the scheme and, and um, be able to shut the Giants' offense down. And, and like T- Alex was saying, you know, the Giants' defense is, is no slouch either. So, um, really interesting game there as well. All right, Week 15, Chargers host the Chiefs. Um, at the sake of not repeating everything Tyler said, <laughs> I just think that this is, this is going to be a really interesting game because I think at this point the Chargers' season – is either going to be like at the point where they're trying to finish strong and like take some momentum into next year like they were this past season at this point at Week 15, or they're going to be at the point where they're fighting for their playoff lives. And the Chiefs are probably going to be at the point where they are fighting for the one seed, fighting for the only playoff bye. So this game is going to have huge ramifications on the playoffs, and I think that's something that should be – Very, very exciting. You know, obviously everyone would have to stay healthy on both sides, as we've said, but um, this is going to be hopefully a peak Chargers team against a peak Chiefs team, and you'll be able to get to see this new-look Chargers defense going up against a new-look Chiefs offensive line with Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, and Creed Humphrey. And so this this game, to me, is so, so exciting on paper. Uh, and I just hope that both teams are healthy at this point, and we get a true, true, you know, Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes showdown, and hopefully ending in some fireworks.
1: I'm going to boldly predict that Patrick Mahomes is not playing this game because he's injured. Whoa! All right. He always just if every year he seems to have something banged up at one point. I'm gonna say he's not gonna play. He's not gonna be in this game. I don't know why I don't have a voodoo doll or I don't want like any voodoo <laughs> or anything. But. Sounds like
2: you have a voodoo doll. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Not of him. I'm working on the
1: one or you, Alex.
2: I was going to make a trip to New Orleans before this
1: game. <laughs> um, all right. I have the next week and uh, it's the Texans. So if they show up, I'm pretty sure they're going to win. <laughs> um, I think if like, I think next time we talk about this is like why they would lose to the Texans is much more interesting that I really can't think of a team as bad as the Texans in recent memory. I thought so. And then I got about 2016. Like what, what other team was as bad as the Texans team? Maybe that Browns team from 2016, yeah. which is a problem because that didn't work out for the Chargers either. But I, I seriously think that this team from the owner to the GM who can't draft and trade up for a random quarterback, who's accumulating <laughs> random washed up QBs like infinity stones to, you know, the bad oh, roster, the coach—that's kind of eh, like I like. I think this team is honestly going to be evaluating their QB room at that point, and yeah. I think it's just going to be a massacre. I don't see how the Chargers would lose this game. I'm, it, it's a win because not only do I think the Chargers win anyway, I don't think the Texans even want to win. Like I can't imagine there's a world where the Texans are actively trying to win this game. Like I, I don't—I just there's a hundred percent chance I think the Chargers win this game, but we've been there before.
2: <laughs> we have been there before.
1: Um, yeah, so the the chart there
2: the the chargers. The Texans signing Jeff Driscoll this week was like, What what are we doing? And the, the entire off season is just like what what is happening? And so I, it was funny looking back at you know when I was you know looking at the Julio Jones stuff and trying to figure out like what kind of trade package, you know, could be necessary and, and then I, I realized doing that that the Texans and their trade with the Cardinals for DeAndre Hopkins has officially been finalized. And so essentially the Texans got David Johnson, yeah. Brandon Cooks, mm-hmm. and Nico Collins for DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> in a
1: trade. So. That sounds about right. <laughs> just fun stuff. And the Raiders trade was just like almost the same thing with Khalil yeah. Mack and whoever the hell they got. Yeah, I I, I want to say that Josh Jacobs
2: was one of the picks that they got um, for Cleo so. Mack. So, at least they have, like, one really good player. But, yeah, the rest of it was was just not good. I think Trayvon Mullen, who Alex mentioned earlier, was one of the picks. And same with Damian Arnett. Um, so, we'll have to see how that one goes. All right, Alex, week 17, wrap us up. Uh, Wait, week 17 wrap us up? Then we have the – we have
3: Denver and then the Raiders?
1: You wrap us up. Like oh, your thing.
3: Oh, okay. I
1: did I
2: forget a game? Yeah, you did because we just did. The oh, because we got winners. week eighteen. I forgot yeah, about week eighteen. Week eighteen.
3: So you forgot about. All right. Week so you do week seventeen. I'll do week eighteen. How'd you slipping? Um, <laughs> uh, I will say, I will say just about the Texans game really quick. Um, I feel like that Browns team was like always trying to get the win, and they got close a couple true. times, right? Versus yeah. like. I feel like this Texans theme could just be, like, really demoralized. Like, I feel like that's kind of the difference. Like, you know, I, maybe things change and, and David Culley is, is great and, you know, is a great motivator. But, like, oh, I don't know. The, the roster that they put together is less like, hey, these are guys that are not great but, like, can compete. Versus, like, I feel like these guys will just be, like, in terrible moods by week. <laughs> and, like, I don't know if that really has significant upset potential but other yeah, uh,
2: real, real quick before we move on let me just read you their schedule really fast because uh, it's it's all okay, cards for them <laughs> it's, it's hard sorry right, so they open week one against the Jaguars at home okay okay so that's their first game week mm-hmm. two they travel to Cleveland to play the Browns week three they host the Carolina Panthers so if you're if you're listening to this, Tyler and Alex are both holding up zeros at this point. Uh, week four, they travel to Buffalo and play the Bills. Week five, they host the New England Patriots. Week six, they travel to Indianapolis and play the Colts. Week seven, they travel to Arizona and play the Cardinals. Still nothing. Week eight, they host the Los Angeles Rams. Week nine, they travel to Miami and play the Dolphins. They have a week 10 bye. Week 11, they play at Tennessee for the Titans. This game is probably the one that I think you might hold up a finger, and it's week 12, they host the New York Jets. Nope. Nope? (laughs) Oh, gosh. So right now the (laughs) Texans are 0-11. Week 13, they host the Indianapolis Colts. Week 14, they host the Seattle Seahawks. Week 15, they travel to Jacksonville. Still nothing. Maybe they'll split. I think they'll split. You'll think they'll split the Jaguars. Okay, so <laughs> they'll head. They'll host the Chargers, being one and thirteen, according to Tyler and Alex. Uh, okay. Week seventeen, they play at San Francisco, no. and then week eighteen, they finish the year hosting the Tennessee Titans.
1: Yeah. I, they
0: could,
1: <laughs> look, I mean, if they go out and like beat the Rams randomly like the Jets did, you know, yeah. maybe that'll happen. But oh, like, I just don't – like I said, like, you guys we're talking about like They're not even going to care about these games. I But whatever it is, I hope they have one win before they get to the Chargers. <laughs> Wherever it comes, I hope they have one win because beating the second win is okay, I guess. Even though it sucks, I don't want to be the first win.
3: Jags and Jets, uh, we need you to just take the loss. We will pay you to yeah. tank that game, and <laughs> we'll pay you some money from the Patreon. Uh, but yeah,
2: <laughs> just tank that game so the Chargers. We're gonna pay a, a billion dollar NFL <laughs> yes. franchise a couple hundred from our Patreon account. <laughs> if, that's how you gotta, that's how you get
3: them in business. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I feel like yeah that they're gonna be at least one in thirteen all in 14 or like maybe two and 12, like to me, two wins in in that kind of before the chargers was like the high upside. So I don't know, like that just, that just feels like a really demoralized team. And now they have Tyrod Finley, uh, the guy Driscoll Driscoll and Davis mills, (laughs) somehow factors into all of this is maybe the quarterback of the future, or maybe he dies by like week three. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I don't know. That's, that's how that game goes. But yeah, so week 17, they play the Broncos, uh, in the new year, their second matchup, obviously, they finish up with this Chiefs-Broncos-Raiders stretch, as they usually do. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, the keys to this game are, uh, I have no idea what the world's gonna be like in week 17, or if the Axis, uh, will still be spinning. But, uh, it, it's just really I don't know. Like it, it's hard to predict week seventeen games, but I, I guess by this point maybe the Broncos are pushing for a wild card spot or just trying to finish uh, the season strong. Chargers probably kind of the same thing. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of what this matchup is, and like. I guess Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke are starting. Maybe that has already switched hands multiple times um, in the course of the season, depending on how things play out. But to me, this just seems kind of, I mean, we already talked about all of the Broncos, Raiders, and Chiefs. Um, But yeah, this just really depends on where are the Broncos at this point in the season Have they found Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke to be kind of a trustable quarterback or at least uh, a a very competent game manager? Obviously, I think Teddy can be that, but I I don't know if Drew Locke can. Or, you know, does Drew Locke surprise us all and and kind of, you know, be what John Elway wants him to be as sort of tall white quarterback? Um, Never know. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a little hard to predict. I, I mean, I, I guess, like, like I said, I, I guess I'll predict a win in the season split. Um, I think the season split for, for that series is just super important just because uh, I, I do think they'll split with the Raiders, but I don't think they'll split with the Chiefs. So I think you at least have to split with the Broncos to avoid going 1-5-ish in in the division. Um, to yeah. me, that's a really important game. Um, especially when you consider the opponents they have outside the division, like the Ravens and the Browns and all those difficult teams. So to me, uh, I think they have to take one uh, from the Broncos, and it's easier to do it in Los Angeles than it is to do it in Denver for sure.
2: Yeah, well, I, I think you said that this team and the Broncos team are probably in similar standings at this point in the season, and I do agree with that statement. And I do think that both of these teams are probably looking at, you know, just missing the playoffs at this point, fighting for a wild card spot. Uh, So obviously a crucial game here. And and it shakes out really nicely for the Chargers because they get to play the Las Vegas Raiders in the season finale. And I do think that that could be, you know, a, a playoff clinching kind of win because I think the Raiders at this point in the season, You know we've kind of hashed it out. Their roster is terrible, and at this point, they're coming off the heels of the toughest schedule in the league. So I think the Raiders at this point are probably out of playoff contention. Now maybe there's that whole like trying to play spoiler thing for the Chargers, depending on where they're at. Um, But I do think the Chargers will be able to end the season on a high note and get a win in Las Vegas because, frankly, I just I don't think the Raiders are very good and. You know, if the Chargers are fully mo- motivated trying to get into the playoffs, then uh, I don't see a world in which they lose this game in Las Vegas.
1: I hope my dad picks up a hobby or something, because they didn't get <laughs> to watching the Raiders win. That's going to be a tough year for the Raiders, man.
2: Yeah. Um, all right, guys, so we're a little over an hour and 15 minutes. So, Tyler, Alex, any other thoughts before we uh, wrap up today? It's going to be fun when we're wrong on all of these, but
0: (laughs) we will at least cover our
2: bases when we do,
3: how the Chargers will lose every game, and so therefore you can't say we were wrong.
1: (laughs) Nice. Uh, My final thoughts
2: are Matt Gay. I hope he has a great day. I hope he has a great day too, man. I'm glad you brought him up. I'm a big fan of his. Um <laughs> we fucking know.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's my guy, man. What can I say? We're we're very passionate about our our kickers in Utah, which is so funny because the Chargers kickers are mostly terrible. Um all right, well this has been a lot of fun you guys. As Alex said, our next episode we will go through this kind of rundown as as to how the Chargers could potentially lose each of these matchups, you know, being able to cover our bases. And it's gonna be fun going back to, you know, coming back to listen to this episode in December when all this stuff has either gone to shit or is going really well. So it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, as always, make sure and subscribe to our channel on YouTube and subscribe to our audio platform as well. Leave us a rating or a review. Let us know what you guys think, and we will see you next time.